This is First Read, a podcast of Edenton Street United Methodist Church where the preachers for this upcoming Sunday read the appointed text for the first time. Join us now for our first read. This Sunday is the 14th Sunday after Pentecost, Sunday, September the 3rd, also Labor Day weekend. And I'm Greg Moore. I will be preaching in the sanctuary this weekend. And I'm Krisha Jamis, and I will be preaching in the gathering. The text this week are Exodus 3, 1 to 15, Psalm 105, Romans 12, 9 to 21, and Matthew 16, 21 to 28. And as uh, Christian and I were talking before a little bit, the Old Testament and the gospel are both uh, drawing us. And so we're going to begin by reading those. And I'll start by reading the Exodus text. Moses was taking care of the flock for his father-in-law Jethro, Midian's priest. He led his flock out to the edge of the desert, and he came to God's mountain called Horeb. The Lord's messenger appeared to him in a flame of fire in the middle of a bush. Moses saw that the bush was in flames, but it didn't burn up. Then Moses said to himself, let me check out this amazing sight and find out why the bush isn't burning up. When the Lord saw that he was coming to look, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. Moses said, I'm here. Then the Lord said, don't come any closer. Take off your sandals because you're standing on holy ground. He continued, I'm the God of your father, Abraham's God, Isaac's God, Jacob's God. Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I've clearly seen my people oppressed in Egypt. I've heard their cry of injustice because of their slave masters. I know about their pain. I've come down to rescue them from the Egyptians in order to take them out of that land and bring them to a good and broad land, a land that's full of milk and honey, a place where the Canaanites The Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites all live. Now the Israelites' cries of injustice have reached me. I've seen just how much the Egyptians have oppressed them, so get going. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I to go to Pharaoh and to bring the Israelites out of Egypt? God said, I'll be with you. And this will show you that I'm the one who sent you. After you bring the people out of Egypt, you will come back here and worship God on this mountain. But Moses said to God, If I now come to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they're going to ask me, What's this God's name? What am I supposed to say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. So say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. God continued, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your ancestors, Abraham's God, Isaac's God, and Jacob's God has sent me to you. This is my name forever. This is how all generations will remember me. And now... The reading for Matthew. 
From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he had to go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders, chief priests, and legal experts, and that he had to be killed and raised on the third day. Then Peter took hold of Jesus and, scolding him, began to correct him. God forbid, Lord, this won't happen to you. But he turned to Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stone that could make me stumble, for you are not thinking God's thoughts, but human thoughts. Then Jesus said to his disciples, All who want to come after me must say no to themselves. Take up their cross and follow me. All who want to save their lives will lose them, but all who lose their lives because of me will find them. Why would people gain the whole world but lose their lives? What will people give in exchange for their lives? For the human one is about to come with the majesty of his father, with, a- with his angels. And then he will repay each one for what that person has done. I assure you that some standing here won't die before they see the human one coming in his kingdom. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So as we were talking about these texts beforehand, Krisha, you said you saw a million connections. Yeah. Just name a couple of them. <laughs> um, I mean, like uh, following, like there's this, um, uh, I mean, that's a, a theme that seems to be present, um, what it means to follow, follow God. Uh, last week we talked about identity. Um, and I feel like this week it kind of plays that out a little bit more, um, what it really means to live into our identity hmm. as Christ followers. So that's just one really broad connection and tie that I saw. There is a, the naming theme does continue. Of course, the play, mm-hmm. I mean, the deepening of the naming, right? So Moses, mm-hmm. uh, the name Moses means drawn out, right? And now his call is to draw out God's people from bondage. Um, the play on Peter's name is, uh, you know, last week Peter was praised for being the person of faith, like you are Peter, which means rock, and I'm going to build my entire church on this profession you just made. And then this week, Jesus says, you are a stumbling stone. Um, get behind and calls him Satan. <laughs> so uh, Peter's identity uh, is still being worked out, sounds like, with fear and trembling about mm-hmm. what it actually means to follow Jesus mm-hmm. uh, and to be one of his disciples. Do, do, are there any other connections? Following, I think, is a is a is one clear connection. Moses following the call of of uh, God and Peter figuring out what it means the cost of following Jesus. Um, but you said there were a million, though. <laughs> I don't think I said a million. I said a, I think I said like two. Oh, okay, or three. Right. <laughs> but you know, a million, two, same, same. Um, gosh, I mean, there's. There's also this, um, I I don't know how to exactly say it, Um, almost disappointment that's present in, especially in the gospel text. Like, 
that Je- disappointment in Jesus, <laughs> that he's not exactly who we want him to be. Um, yeah, Peter, uh, I, I feel like it's just there. And, and I kind of feel that in the, um, the Exodus passage as well. Uh, and maybe less disappointment with who God is, but with who Moses is. Um, that he's not qualified <laughs> to follow this God. Um, so that's another another loose tie that I saw between the both mm. both passages. And these are very, very broad, like hundred thousand foot themes. Yeah, that's Tuesday, you know? Right. <laughs> right. We'll get closer. <laughs> we'll get closer and we'll land this plane on Sunday. Yeah, maybe. That's right. <laughs> what about you? What 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 are you seeing? I see um uh, an an unwavering consistency to who God is in both. Uh, you know, <clears throat> again, the naming theme is important. Moses asks for God's name, and God just says, "Yeah, I am." Mm-hmm. Um, which which becomes uh, for the for the Jewish theological world this notion that God is this bedrock of all creation that is both unchanging and is given like God is uh, the, the notion like um, the notion of, of wondering whether or not there is a God, the notion of, um, uh, of like questioning the vocation of theology, which I know this is not an academic podcast, but in the academy, theological schools are suspect, right? I mean, in a in a world that's been built by uh, the Enlightenment and her children, uh, even the the discipline of theology is suspect. Like, is that even a an academic discipline? Like studying God? It's often it's often uh, equated to like studying fairy tales. Like, it's just what are you doing? Um, I mean, I hope it is because otherwise I have four years. You have that's on right. You, you should. I don't know if you're not going to get that money back. <laughs> My fairy tale degree. Back. That's right. So, which is a, which is a novel concept within humanity. The, the 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 ancients, and this is the Jewish ancient notion, is that like God is given. Now it's a mystery, and we we uh, we don't know everything about God, but God's presence is not it. Like it just is. Mm-hmm. It's like breath. It's like uh, and even though we don't fully know what that is, we don't know who God is fully. We know that there's something divine about life and there's a presence that is undergirding all of it. Hmm. It's just, it just is. And the invitation of faith is to explore that. So I see that, I see that kind of, um, that unchanging, like God just is. And then I see Jesus, um, also, also in that uh, that bedrock, like part of a revelation of who God is, is God is a God who is, uh, whoever God is, God desires 
uh, freedom from bondage and liberation. That's just who God is. And no matter how many times humans try to, we humans try to construct systems of bondage, we cannot convince God that liberation is what we're made for. And so God is like, you know, it's just who God is. God's a God of freedom and liberation. Um, and God's showing that with Israelites. And uh, God's also showing that with Jesus, uh, that Jesus is uh, determined, unchangeably determined to to offer us freedom from bondage, even if it kills him. And it's unthinkable for Peter. Peter tries to change it and says, no, we, there's got to be something else um, that you're about. And Jesus just is. Like he's going to confront the worst in us to convert us towards life because Jesus is God and he just is. So I, anyway, I see that tie. I don't know what to do with it, but I see it. This unchanging kind of characteristic of who God is undergirding everything. And at least one facet of that is freedom from bondage. Yeah. I mean, there's so many curiosities and wonderings in both of these texts, I think. Like, um, God leading us out of bondage leads us into a million different questions. I think I see that in like Moses. Um, in his curiosity, when he encounters the burning bush, even Peter, I mean, he knows who he knows who Jesus is and names him as something different and tries to give him a different identity. But even that requires him to question and to wonder. Anyway. There certainly is uh, more certainty in bondage than in liberation. Mm-hmm. Like there is uh, uh, one of the tragedies I think of, of we humans is that at some point like Stockholm syndrome is real and we begin to crave the familiarity of bondage. Oh yeah. Which is later on in the texts, right? The Israelites start wanting to go back to Egypt. <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, later on in the gospel reading in Matthew, um, you know, Peter uh, will deny Jesus. Um yeah, liberation requires curiosity to hope and see a life that's far different than the reality that's in front of us. And, and liberation requires faith. Yeah. Whereas bondage offers certainty. And those are two different things. Faith is not certainty. Bondage requires familiarity and um and liberation requires curiosity. In other words, the disciple, I mean, the, the Israelites, they know Egypt. They don't know this promised land. So this requires faith to say that we, we're going somewhere else. Even though we don't know what that's going to look like and we don't know fully how we're going to get there, 
we're going to move because we're not made for bondage. We're made for freedom. Um, same thing in Matthew, like as Jesus is trying to offer us freedom from both sin and the constraints of the ways in which religion, religion was being offered as bondage. Jesus is going to confront that and offer us liberation. Um, and what will that liberation look like? We, we just don't know. Which makes me wonder what what bondage have I fell in love with? <laughs> what, oh, gosh. Um, in what ways am I in love with, uh, with the familiarity of things that are actually trapping me? Now I have a million answers to that question. You Not for you, million, but for me. Now that's the third time today. So <laughs> It's our word of the day. Today's podcast has been brought to you by the word <laughs> a million. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I do that. Because, <laughs> I mean, I crave stability and predictability. And death, <laughs> it, bondage, um, it has that. You know your landscape. The familiarity that is um, offered to us, because I don't think we're, like, liberation is not just not being uh, there's still a familiarity with liberation but there what is. god's calling us to be familiar with is god right i will be with you god says to moses and to the israelites yeah um jesus of course is emmanuel uh god with us even when christ says to peter get behind me <laughs> like that's not an invitation to go away yeah right right yeah that's right it's just to move to a different vantage point mm. and to see with different eyes mm. from where Christ is standing. There, there also, of course, we've not talked about the major image in uh, the Old Testament reading is the burning bush, which is, you know, one of the most famous biblical images mm. in literature and um, faith communities. We keep coming back to that. Um, and I'm always reminded, every time I read this story, I'm reminded of, I don't even know what preacher I was listening to, but some preacher uh, was preaching. I, I was listening to a recording, and it, the recording sounded ancient. It wasn't like, I don't know where I got this thing, you know? When you're a pastor, people just give you stuff. And so <laughs> somebody gave me this sermon, probably to tell me I should learn how to preach better like this person. And this person was preaching a phenomenal sermon. And the phrase that, that kind of um, still rings in my ears every time I read this, uh, when he, he gets to the point where Moses sees that the bush is burning and it's not consumed, and he turns aside to see it. And this person says that, of course, the gospel is that every bush is aflame with the presence of God for those who have eyes to see. Mm -hmm. And so anyone who turns, like every... Like, I am. It's the bedrock of creation. It's everywhere. Mm -hmm. And the miracle is that Isaac, uh, that Moses turns to see. Sees the divine. Sees the divine. In and the then ordinary. God sees that Moses sees. Mm -hmm. And says, and calls out. His eyes were aligned. Yeah. With God's. And that's where he becomes, begins to become aligned with a vision for liberation. 
as opposed to a vision for bondage. Mm. Um, uh, so, so I, I wonder where, where creation is ablaze with God's presence, how we might see that and how we might by that vision becoming uh, enamored with a, a vision for liberation today as opposed to bondage, whether that's individual or whether that's corporate. Individual liberation from things like addiction or, uh, you know, all the things that, that bind us up uh, or, um, you know, corporate liberation from things like racism and injustice uh, and economic practices that favor uh, the haves and disfavor the have-nots. Like, I think it's both. It's an and, not an or. And why does that work always lead to crucifixion? Mm. Why does the work of liberation over and over again, like those who see God's presence and who get enamored with like, this is who God is, why does it always lead to the cross? Because that's what happens between Exodus and Matthew. God is moving towards liberation, which necessitates, which doesn't, maybe not necessitates, but inevitably leads to the cross. Why is that? <laughs> I bet. I don't, I, yeah. I have no formed thoughts. There's a lot of swirl inside my head right now. What would you say? I, I don't know. That's why I asked you the question. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say. We're playing tennis here. <laughs> yeah, I, I would. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know fully, but I do know that um, while the work of liberation leads to the cross, and again, whether that's individual or corporate, like Jesus says, whoever follows me must take up your cross to find freedom from bondage. You're going to, we have to die to things that are killing us, right? Or whether it's corporate and there's these like clashes of liberation and bondage. I mean, like think about Martin Luther King and the way in which his insistence on liberation for all led to the cross. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know why that is, but I do know that the threat of death even doesn't change God's insistence on liberation. Nothing will change who God is. Not even death. I am who I am. And I have created life for all to find life. Yeah. And liberation. And even death doesn't change that. And when, when we try to change that about God and say, you know, God, there must be something else we can do. God says, you're becoming a stumbling block. Yeah. I mean, I think about my own life and all the ways I try to avoid death. <laughs> and it, it doesn't work. It never leaves, leads me to the freedom that I'm seeking. It just traps me further into bondage. And that really the only way <laughs> that new life can begin is by death. It has to. I mean, death has to happen. 
for new life to begin. Which the theologians tell us is what we call the Paschal mystery or what mm. we celebrate in, at Easter. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest feast of the Christian year. Maybe the biggest offering that Christians offer to the world mm. is a reminder of this bedrock truth mm. that death can lead to life. Mm. In fact, let death does lead to life. Mm-hmm. Because that's who God is. Mm-hmm. And so the angels always say, be not afraid. Because liberation is where we're being led. That's who I am is. Chris is going to land this plane really well on Sunday in the gathering. Just in case, buckle up. Put your seat backs (laughs) up in the upright and locked positions. We'll see how this goes (laughs) uh, in the sanctuary as well. In the meantime... Uh, may may every corner of creation that you find yourself in become ablaze with God's spirit mm. until we see each other on Sunday. Hope to see you there. Bye.